In this podcast, Michael DeSantis talks to Wayne Champion, the Chief Executive Officer at Riverland Malikurong Local Health Network. Wayne, what was your first role out of university and do you feel as though it shaped your career? So my first role out of university was the, as a freelance scuba diving instructor and obviously it hasn't really shaped my current phase of my career but it did shape me I guess as a person and we can make the obvious puns about working under pressure because obviously you're underwater scuba diving but it did teach me to work with people, it taught me to enjoy what I do and it also taught me to assess situations before I go into them. Obviously, you've got a bit of a career now through both the New Zealand and Australian public health systems or public health care systems. What do you think are the biggest differences between the two? So the biggest differences are structural and they relate to the differences in the government structure between the two countries. So in New Zealand, there's just one national government and then local councils. In Australia, there's a national government, then there are state governments, and then there are local councils. And so in New Zealand, there's one layer of government responsible for all health services, primary health services, residential care, hospital services. In Australia, of course, the Commonwealth government looks after residential care, looks after primary health services, and the states are primarily responsible responsible for hospital services. Other differences are around the funding for health services. So New Zealand has a population-based funding formula where district health boards are funded according to the population that they serve. And then they manage health services, not only the ones they provide, they also contract and buy health services to meet all of the health needs of their population. In Australia, LHNs, LHDs or HHSs, they're called different things in different states, are hospital providers predominantly and you know, exist in an ecosystem with other providers, GPs, residential aged care providers and so on that are funded separately. Something interesting about your background that I'm obviously aware of is the fact that you were an operations controller for the 2011 Christchurch earthquake response. How do you feel this experience driver has impacted you? been immense. So I worked for what was the West Coast District Health Board in New Zealand as both their chief operating officer, so responsible for Greymouth Base Hospital, and also their general manager of corporate services at the time. The Canterbury District Health Board team managed the initial response from the earthquake and about a week after the earthquake, they rang me up and invited me over and really I had no idea what I was going over there for. They gave me a briefing and kind of from then on that was that was it. I was in charge. I still had the support of the team there, but they had just worn themselves out managing the first week of the response and so for the next nine months I was based in Christchurch managing the earthquake response through the remaining three weeks of the time that Christchurch or New Zealand was in its nationally declared state of emergency and then through numerous aftershocks and so on since but it really took me from managing a hospital a Greymouth based hospital as I mentioned earlier to managing or supporting the management of a health service so you know the people that normally manage each hospital were still there within Christchurch the people that manage GP practices and so on but I was involved in coordinating the response across the entire health system and you know there were 131 GP practices in Christchurch, about 116 community pharmacies, around 105 residential aged care facilities, plus all of the public hospitals, all of the private hospitals, all in a state of emergency and chaos. But actually Canterbury District Health Board had amazing systems and had already established a fantastic response structure and the focus on the purpose for being there. The, the people of Christchurch, the people affected by the emergency was a lesson in itself and the focus on putting the health system back together better than it was to start with. So not replacing things that were broken to start with with the same thing was also a huge lesson in its own right. You've also been in SA Health now for, for a period of time. What do you see with the recent changes with Country Health SA? What have been, from your perspective, the benefits and challenges of that restructure process with the establishment of the new six LHNs? 
So I guess just in terms of my experience of it, I went from being Chief Operating Officer of Country Health, responsible for 61 hospitals as acting and then interim Chief Operating Officer, to being Chief Executive Officer of one of the new LHNs made up of a region of Country Health. And the focus of the purpose of the change was to bring decision-making closer to the communities affected by the decisions, to give communities and consumers and clinicians a voice in decisions that are made about their health services. And so the challenge, of course, is delivering on that. delivering on that relatively quickly, but in an organization that is in itself going through a change with the establishment of boards, because prior to the change, you know, the CEO of Country Health reported to the CE of SA Health that reported to the minister. Now the CEOs like myself all report to a skills-based board that reports to the minister. And the change in relationship that that creates with the department that is still our primary funder and still has to coordinate the health system. So those have been the challenges. And I think the role of the department in coordinating the system gets really really interesting when you've got emergencies that require system-wide coordination, be it uh, recent bushfires in South Australia or be it the looming threat of COVID-19. When you're recruiting to senior executive positions within your team, what are the key attributes you look for in the person apart from the technical skills and experience? So I guess the key attributes are adaptability, a diversity of their experience. It's not apart from experience, but when we look at experience, we're looking at diversity of experience, not just experience in whatever the discipline is. Ability to fit the culture and to contribute to affecting desired changes in the organizational culture. Diversity is becoming a prominent issue everywhere. How have you seen the companies and boards that you are working with evolve and manage these type of issues? So diversity means lots of different things to lots of different people. And we have diverse workplaces, we have diverse client bases, we have a diversity of services that we provide aimed at meeting the needs of different populations and different groups within those populations. Increasingly, you know, we try to provide services that are individualized to every individual's wants and needs, but we struggle because we're trying to do it as one single large organization. To me, it comes back a little bit to, you know, some lessons from New Zealand. So in New Zealand, we have the Treaty of Waitangi. And without going into the the history of New Zealand and and what's right and wrong with that, the treaty essentially has three sections. The three sections relate to three principles. The principles are about partnership. And by partnership, I mean bringing any group in as a partner and supporting them to help us meet their needs. Protection of their rights, their individuality, their culture, their customs, and participation their right to participate in decision-making that affects them, whether it's them as an individual consumer or client, whether it's them as an individual staff member, whether it's their right to participate in the provision of services. So if you think of a particular ethnic group or a particular consumer group, their right to also be served by people that are familiar with them in the delivery of health services, their right to participate in the governance of health services and in government generally. So use those three Ps as a guiding principle. Generally, they meet the needs of most diverse groups. From a personal perspective now, who has inspired you in your career? So I've been inspired by different people at different times. Some of the CEOs that I've worked with have inspired me, some of them not so much. And I guess there are particular CEOs that I've worked with that have probably inspired me more than others. Some some would be surprised by that. One in particular, a guy called Kevin Haig, who was the CEO of the West Coast District Health Board at a time back when I was Chief Financial Officer, so quite some time ago. And prior to that, he was in, responsible for planning and funding, so funding external services. But really his focus on population health, on understanding the needs of the population and about directing services in ways of shifting resources and ways to meet those diverse needs inspired me really and, and probably got me interested in managing systems instead of services. 
what are your top tips for aspiring leaders or future leaders? I guess the top tip is to stay focused on your reason for being in health. It's about patients, consumers, populations, and health outcomes. So be clear what it is that, that you're there for and to never lose focus on that.